A From Dublin to Cleveland production. Hello and welcome to From Dublin to Cleveland. This is the St. Patrick's edition of the podcast. As you can, of course, see, I am dressed as Lucky Charms himself, which apparently is a cultural appropriation and the Irish people have nothing or have no idea who Lucky Charms is or what it is. So we will get into that later in this podcast about what it is, who he is, and Brendan's going to just, you know, guess because he doesn't know what it is. So uh, (laughs) anyway, we're of course wearing our green, rocking our green. If you're watching the YouTube version, which please watch the YouTube version. Um, It's usually good. Um, (laughs) You usually get a little more uh, detail and stuff, but... Um, I am joined as always by my, my good friend, Brendan Thomas Merritt, who is the Irish version. I am just pretending to be an Irish person today. Um, so Brendan, uh, how are you and what would you like to share with us today? (laughs) Hey, it is impossible to celebrate one's own national holiday and not feel ecstatic and full of Irish pride. (laughs) No, that might confuse some of you, um, because St. Patrick, perhaps to the surprise of a number of our listeners, was actually not Irish-born. Um, when he was 16 years of age, he was kidnapped by an Irish pirate known as Niall of the Nine Hostages, and he was a victim of Ireland's slave trade at the time. Uh, He had lived up to that point, we suspect, in Wales, in an area known as Banavern Tuvernay. (laughs) That's how good my Welsh is. It gets no better, I'm afraid. (laughs) Um, He'd been born into a Christian family, but he writes in his biography confessio, meaning confession, and that we will link an online version on all the platforms, our pod page and YouTube page, um, saying that he'd had no interest as a child or a teenager in pursuing his faith. He was brought to Ireland um, to an area called County Down, which might surprise you, (laughs) considering it's in the north of the country. And uh, there he was sold as a slave to a chieftain named Milieu um, in Antrim. And there he worked on a mountain called Flemish. He worked as a shepherd boy or a farmer in all sorts of wintry conditions. You know, uh, the wind, the rain, all the good stuff we Irish folk have come to expect on a daily basis, four seasons in a day. And it was at that time that he began to pursue intimacy with Jesus. He had no one to talk to but the sheep. (laughs) So he said, I might as well talk to the God of all the cosmos, I suppose. And uh, while he did that, he records that he was praying up to a hundred times a day. Patrick was a dreamer and a prophet. And he said that he had a dream one night 
in which a voice told him that it was time to get up and go back home. Patrick awoke and, you know, he'd gotten used to hearing the voice of God. So he traveled miles and eventually came to a ship that was leaving Ireland and going back to Britain. So he tried to get on board the ship, uh, only to be stopped <laughs> and to uh, basically challenge, you know, who do you think you are? Filthy little slave trying to get on board this boat. And he was just very, very disheartened. And he protested, nothing seemed to be happening. So he went back to the tavern or the inn where he'd been staying. And again, God spoke to him very clearly and said, get on that boat. I've made a way. So Patrick returned. And again, he was challenged um, when getting on board. And uh, the guy who was letting passengers on or turning them away said, okay, I'll let you on. But you've got to suck my breast. <laughs> Patrick was like, I'm a Christian. I don't think I'm supposed to be doing that. Now, that might seem like a very strange uh, demand for a teenage boy. Um, but it was actually very common in North Africa, Armenia, Ethiopia, Ireland, the Caucasus region, um, Turkey and Albania at the time. It was a way of showing uh, loyalty or fidelity to your captain and those on board. And um, Patrick said, right, well, I've got two options. I could either put my lips there and do that, or I could just teach them about the love of Jesus. <laughs> he chose the ladder and got on the boat for free. But uh, the boat did not take him back to Wales, people. The boat took him back to England. He records that he had to travel all the way from where they left him off in England, all the way south, back to his home country. And the terrain was treacherous. It was a very, very dangerous road. And he said that the other passengers who got gotten off in England were burly, strong, aggressive, angry men. And no doubt the food ran out, as it so often and so quickly does. And... Patrick was like, never fear, God is here. He is our provider, Jehovah Tyra. He will look after our needs. And oh my goodness, he ticked these men off. And eventually they said, if you mention that Jesus Christ one more time, you're a dead man. And then what happened? A wild boar, picture Pumbaa from Lion King, ran it in front of them. They killed it. They ate their hunger was satisfied. And they said, hmm, maybe the kid's not as crazy as we thought. <laughs> and God had provided enough sustenance for them and that Patrick could return to Wales to be with his family. There he grew in revelation, understanding of the words. And uh, again, he had a dream. And this time in his dream, he saw a martyr. Um, who a Christian had been killed for his faith. 
And that martyr told him in the dream, the people of Ireland are spiritually dead and God is calling you to go back and liberate them. Some of you might think that sounds wild and wacky, but hello. Remember that story in 1 Samuel with the witch of Endor? The prophet Samuel was dead, people. But he still spoke to her. So, Patrick told his family what the Lord had said through the dream. And they were like, <laughs> Patrick is so silly. And he said, no, I'm serious. I have to go back. And they said, Patrick, they enslaved you for six years. Cop yourself on. Get your act together. And he said, I'm going. I have to go. So, with bewildered looks from his family and friends, he came back to Ireland to share the good news of Jesus. Um, he was born in 412 AD, and when he came back to Ireland of his own volition, it was 432 AD. He's about 20 at this stage. He came back to an Ireland that was overrun with witchcraft and the religion of the Druids. Um, the Druids were basically wizards, effectively, involved in all manner of what we would refer to as believers as satanic worship. Um, they ruled with an iron fist. And they did not take disloyalty lightly. And he also came back to an Ireland of kings and kinglets. When you travel through an Ireland, every 20 minutes you will see a castle. <laughs> it does not matter how big or small the village or town is, there's a castle nearby somewhere, people. And uh, these castles were run by kinglets, minor kings over minor territories. But in Mead, on the hill of Tara, about 20 minutes from where I live, uh, there was the High King's Castle. The High King of Tara was king over all of Ireland. It was the capital of Ireland, effectively, before Dublin was. These kings, kinglets, and druids did whatever they could to kill Patrick, to sabotage his ministry, to stop him from telling women the poor, the sick, the vulnerable, that the God of all creation was madly in love with them, and that the gods that they had been told about were actually fallen spirits who despised them and wanted them to live in spiritual depravity and enslavement, and ultimately to suffer the same eternal fate as them. And so Patrick focused on working from the bottom up, much like Jesus and the Twelve had in ancient Israel. Um, in many countries, the evangelists would go to the most powerful people in society, try and make Christianity cool, remove it from the fringes, hoping that the peasants would follow. That didn't really work in Ireland. It started from the ground, and it worked its way up. People listening to Patrick were addicted to Jesus. They loved what he'd said. And he didn't come with the theology with the same measure of rules and regulations as perhaps it had in other cultures. 
but it was a more experiential faith, a kind of faith that became known as Celtic Christianity. The word was there, but the outworking and the musicality and the art of faith was not suppressed, as it most certainly would be in centuries later, and arguably even today in many respects. There was one particular encounter on the Hill of Tara when Patrick lit a fire in the month of May. Now you might hear that and think, <laughs> wow, Patrick, great story. <laughs> but actually, our May in Irish is called the Alpena, and it's the combination of two false gods' names. At the Hill of Tara, a great bonfire would be lit by the Druids. And it was literally just six months to the day after Halloween, uh, which we call Samhain. And it was their way of trying to terrify the evil spirits <laughs> that they were in fact enslaved to, uh, and also to look for the favor and the blessing of pagan gods. They would have their livestock walk between the flames of the fire as a sign of saying, oh, you know, you'll be fruitful and, and, and prosperous. Bless our land, bless our livestock. And humans would try and jump over the bonfire as a way of saying, you know, bless or, you know, bring spiritual fire um, to our loins so that we can produce children. You can just imagine how many times that went badly wrong. But Patrick got there before the Druids did. And he said, no, no, we're not worshiping gods who have fallen. Elohim, that the one true God made, that rebelled against him, that the reason all sickness and wickedness exists in the first place. No, we're lighting this bonfire as a symbol of the purification that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It absolutely ticked off the Druids no end. And there were times when they would put him in chains. There were times they'd kidnap him, arrest him, try and murder him. But God showed him so much favor. And he always found a way out or was released uh, by God's will. Patrick primarily worked on converting people in County Down in the north of the country. But his converts were then spread to uh, the lower, the more southern reason, re regions in the country. And when Europe fell into the Dark Ages in the 500s, 800s AD, Patrick's disciples had created, by that stage, created a system of monasteries, often symbolized big round towers we have. The monks, the Bible teachers, would live in very small huts, but they became centers of teaching history, teaching the Bible, teaching reading and writing skills, um, medical health care, and just loving people, doing charity for a living, swimming in the goodness of God. Um, they would later create um, Steps on islands, think of that. Uh, I know Star Wars 7 and 8 shouldn't exist, but the, the planet 
where Luke Skywalker's found that's actually an Irish island <laughs> where monks would go and they would build these structures where they could just go and be alone with God, meditate on the word, listen to the Holy Spirit, away from distraction, get to know him better, be intimate with Jesus. And ultimately they created a system um, where the gospel was so strong that it was renowned across the world at that time. And Ireland kept the gospel alive when, spiritually speaking, Europe fell into shadow in 5 to 800. AD. And um, it was it was an Ireland of of, of witchcraft, of, of spiritual snakes. But you often have seen the fic- picture of Patrick driving the snakes out of Ireland. That was God using Patrick to drive out the religion of the Druids. Paganism. The witchcraft that people say, oh, it's harmless, it's just for fun, it's all about serenity, you don't know what Wicca is all about. Patrick knew, and he despised it, because it set itself up in competition with the gospel of Jesus. Unpolluted, uncompromising, and undiluted. And it is the reason that we'll be celebrating on the 17th of March this year, all around the world. So I know you're going to see images of corn beef of alcohol of rivers turning green but as believers I want you to receive this as an extension of your spiritual heritage something that God has passed down through uh, over a millennia and a half something that you get to seize hold of participate in and continue in your time and it's the never-ending story. Amen. 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 Um, thank you for sharing, Brendan. Uh, it's always good to hear uh, true history and why we celebrate things that um, a lot of people just celebrate it for the drinking or the um, or the green things, and they don't really understand what was actually going right. on with saint patrick and what was happening in his life and so thank you so much for sharing that um, yeah so what we're going to do now is we're going to change it up a little bit yeah. so brendan has no knowledge or recognition or recognition of this thing called lucky charms um if you are an american or maybe canadian you mm-hmm. might know of a thing called lucky charms it is a cereal um it is a cereal that is it's pretty basic cereal but it's got marshmallows in it and that's what makes it that's what makes it lucky and and charming um is it's got these special marshmallows in them so i've got a couple questions about lucky charms these are not ones that brendan's gonna know because he's never ran into this thing called lucky charms i'm gonna make sure to send him a box and we might have to have him give us a review on lucky charms but i'm gonna ask him these questions anyway so all right, so there's a mascot. I've shown him the picture of the mascot um, of Lucky Charms. As some of you who are watching the YouTube version see that I am trying my best mm. to look like him. Um, but what is the guy's name? If if you had to take a guess, Brendan, what would they have named this this guy for Lucky Charms? <laughs> hmm. 
Lucky seems like the obvious choice. Um, you haven't done something blasphemous and called him Patrick, I hope. <laughs> or Patty. Patty? <sighs> you were right the first time. His name is Lucky. Lucky the Leprechaun. Patty is George Patrick. Ah, dang it. It is, yeah. Uh, it, alliteration. It is, yeah. Lucky the leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So um, slightly more forgivable. He first appeared in nineteen. He first appeared in nineteen sixty four. Um, strangely, in nineteen seventy five, he vanished. Like he was just gone okay. from the, all of the boxes of cereal, um, and as if by magic, and um, he was replaced by a green cloaked wizard named Waldo. Um, and it was just for a short amount of time and then it was back, he was back to being on the cover. So it is very, very strange. Um, so yes, the next question I have for you, there is four, uh, in the original Lucky Charms, now they've made all these weird different variations, but there's four different marshmallow colors, um, and okay. four different marshmallow colors, and they're like associated with objects. So, um, can you just hazard a guess of what the objects they would put in the Lucky Charms, or what the uh, the marshmallows look like, and what colors they used? If it's Irish, I assume that they're like green shamrocks. Um, yep, that's correct. Maybe yellow pot of gold. Yep. Uh, they used moons, yellow moons. Ah. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, let's see. For a rainbow, I want to say blue, but that's not because it's my favorite color. Maybe red? Hmm. They did have rainbows eventually. It wasn't the first ones that they used, but they did have rainbows. Okay. 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 Um, maybe orange beards. <laughs> orange beards. <laughs> orange stars. So half a point for that one, because you did get orange. <laughs> and there's just one more. <laughs> <laughs> oh dang it uh, let's see okay well we have the other two colors of our tri-colored flag so I have to assume white's in there somewhere um <laughs> our white pale faces <laughs> um let's see something lucky Maybe the sun. You've already mentioned the moon and stars, so maybe a white sun. Mm. It is a pink heart. So pink hearts were the original ones they put in there. Um, all right. <laughs> 
That's so here's, here's the most people Im- do it correctly, please. Go all out. Here is the real question that everyone wants answered. Is Lucky Charms Leprechaun Irish? <laughs> oh, I... From the photograph that I saw, he's got the rainbow, he's got green, and there's a shamrock. But no, there, there's no ginger beard. He looks very, very generic. Um, I don't know. I think he was all, he almost looks like a handsome leprechaun. As though, like, you know, other serial characters on boxes was to look at him and be attracted to him. As opposed to actually looking distinctly Irish. No. No, I don't think he is. Um, He's too clean shaven. Everybody here in America, everybody here in America thinks he is Irish. Um, Unfortunately, though, the voice behind him, there's a voice that they have. And he's not Irish. He doesn't sound Irish. He doesn't talk Irish. And some, the creator of him said that he is uh, 11% Spanish. He's 11% Spanish. (laughs) So I don't know how a created thing could be 11% Spanish, but apparently he is. You know, we do have a legend of a Spanish giantess, the opposite of Leprechaun, which we'll come to in a, in a future episode. <laughs> we'll just pretend that that's like totally what they were trying to talk about. <laughs> um, so here's the last question I'll ask. Why were the Lucky Charms banned in the United Kingdom? Yeah, yeah. because of problems with Northern Ireland the UK feared that America was taking the Republic side hashtag 32 country Ireland will happen Um, it was, it was due because they were worried that cereal was going to, was linked to bad behavior and hyperactivity. So they banned it so that nobody in the United Kingdom could could have cereal that was too chocolatey and too sugary. (laughs) Right, right. Perhaps I should show you some of the, well, what passes for cereal in the UK, and they might have to uh, assess that double standard. (laughs) Yes, yeah, we probably do. (laughs) All right, so that has been, uh, that has been Lucky Charms with Brendan and Logan, Um, and so I'm going to turn it over to Brendan to close us out with a, uh, a passage of scripture. Nice one. All right, guys. So this scripture is related to the story of St. Patrick. And it's Genesis 50, 20. 
you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many people. That was spoken by Joseph the dreamer. God had spoken to him very clearly about being exalted to a position in which he could help people. He had known that at the time, so that's ultimately why it happened. And he would be, it would happen in the sight of his family, of his brothers. And a number of them responded very harshly. There was later forgiveness and reconciliation, but after their father died, they were stressed. They feared that Joseph would seek revenge. And Joseph said, no, no, what you did was not right. What you did was not good. But God used it to get me where I am. He used it as a piece in my story so that so many people, the nation of Israel and Egypt, could be rescued from the hand of death and famine that tore its way through the ancient world. And that's not to say that things are okay, that all things are fine, that we should be stupidly optimistic in the face of real trial and adversity. But it's about choosing with an act of our will to align our perspective with God's. You know, Patrick refers in the Confessio to a sin that he committed when he was 15 years of age. He never tells us what it is. Maybe it was an act of blasphemy. Some people think he was a drunken lout. <laughs> and that the reason he'd been kidnapped by pirates so easily is because he was drunk asleep outside. <laughs> That's why he couldn't run away. <laughs> some people think it was a sexual sin. But he had confided this in some of his friends. To the people he was working alongside in Ireland. Christians, hello. And 30 years after this sin had been committed, he was about 45, some of these Christians began throwing it in his face. Maybe they were arrogant or upset or insecure with how God was using him and the position that he had. This British foreigner coming over telling us how to live our lives, whatever the reason was. And he was so grieved. But Patrick said that he heard the voice of God say that he, well, actually spoke in the plural, we, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we were very displeased to see someone that we love so much, so hurt. And then he gave the archaic version of the verse about being the apple of God's eye. And how God does not like to see the apples of his eye maltreated. And maybe that has happened to you. Maybe someone has hurt you or offended you. Maybe it was intentional. Maybe they misspoke, but it just triggered a soul wound that you already had. But know that you don't have to stay there. It's okay for that to be a part of your story. Not the thing that takes you out. So today, choose to take that stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone, getting you to where you need to go. And you will see people, you'll encounter them, God will put them in your path, who've been hurt, 
who've gone through tough times, who are living in the pain that you're overcoming. And you'll be able to use your pain and your experience of that pain and your healing from that pain and turn it around for their good so that they don't have to suffer as long as you did in as lonely a fashion as you had to. You can redeem those moments you spent in the pit by making the enemy foot the bill for the salvation, the prosperity, and the blessing that follow. So today, whatever has happened, you lay it at the feet of Jesus, he already knows. But he wants you to come boldly and tell him anyway. The throne of grace, the safest place you'll ever be, where you can be totally naked, totally honest, totally transparent, with no fear of being turned away, knowing that you're the apple of his eye, that he is not pleased when people hurt or disrespect or dishonor his children, but that if you come humbly and loving him, he will work it together for good. What about you, Logan? How does Genesis 50, 20 speak to you? Yeah, I mean, you, you covered a lot of it. I, I would just uh, highlight um, highlight how we have to so focus on that God means things for good. Um, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of heartache that you're going to go through in life. Um, and God gives Logan, it to us and we'll work it out God. for his good. Um, it's meant the, the devil and um, demonic people want that to ruin you, to crumble you, to tear you down, to make it to where you quit, you give up, you don't trust in God, you don't put your faith in him because because this happened or this situation went on. But that's not where we're supposed to live. Um, yeah, did they mean it for evil? Sometimes people mean things for evil. Sometimes people are going to do things to you that they mean to hurt you and harm you. Um, but God will work it out for his good. He doesn't allow us to go through things that we can't handle without his help. Um, if we try and handle things in our own strength, we're going to fail every time. But if we put our faith in him, he'll work it out. He'll work things out. And here's here's the thing is we like to think that we're not making an impact or we're not making a difference in people's lives. But, and, and I think some of the times that's that's the way the world wants or, got, or Satan wants us to not see those things so that we can't, we're not truly living where we're supposed to be and we're living in depression or upsetness, but God is working through us. He always will. Uh, as long as we know him as our Lord and Savior, he will work, will work through us and work um, to bring people to Christ. So save people alive um, while they're still alive, not while they're dead and in the grave. He will, he'll protect us and take care of those around us. Um, so as you go through your week, evil things are going to happen. You're going to have some, somebody might say something nasty about you. Somebody might hurt you. Somebody might punch you. Somebody might call you a name. You don't want to be called. Um, so just remember that all those things, they might mean it for evil. They might mean it to hurt you. They might mean it to ruin you, but remember that God will work those things out. Continue to be faithful to him. Continue to be faithful to other people. Continue to treat people like he like they deserve to be treated because they're images of God and just see where God does and what God works through them. We might not see it tomorrow. We might not see it the later in the week, but God will work things out for good and will save people um, through our faithfulness. So be faithful this week. Um, so 
Uh, I'll close this in prayer real quick, and then then we'll get out of here. Um, thank you, Lord, for uh, for your faithfulness to us. Help us to be faithful and to continue to be faithful to to you. Um, bless our week. Bless our time together, um, and that we would we would live this way. That we would not let evil uh, would not let the evil get to us. Um, but that you would continue to be working things for good in our hearts and our lives. You continue to be working. Help us to see the good. Even when everything seems to be going evilly, help us to show us um, the things that we need to see, the things we need to hear, the things that we need for us to continue to fight for you. Lord, it gets rough here in this life that sometimes we want to give up fighting. We want to stop because it's hard and it's not easy. Help us to continue to do it anyway. Help us to love you in everything and uh, love others as well. Uh, give us and bless us the rest of this week and uh, into next week as well um, until we are able to, uh, to hang out together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week, everybody.